that was the J cut and this is the K cut, a movie podcast for movie fans. Except maybe not so much after this episode. Hello, I'm Andreas. I am the creator and main writer for Films Fatale. Just put up my top 100 short films of all time a couple weeks ago. And my top 100 music videos is coming out the first Monday of August. So things are getting a little interesting here. Who else do I have with me? James here. I'm a digital media creator. I produce and release music under the alias Boutique Paul. And I am one half of the Prefer Not to Say podcast. I'm Rachel. I also write for Film Fatale. I have one column on world cinema and one on lost movies. And I would like to apologize to my colleagues because this week was my idea for a topic. Well, speaking of lost movies, these were ones that have should have, you know, they should have gotten lost. You know, <laughs> I think the world would have been better off. But, uh, you know. Not just I- lost, but nuked. <laughs> Like, like E.T. Atari, like buried in the middle of a desert, like just yes. completely obliterated from society. So uh, why are we so angry, Rachel? Um, because this week, the challenge was to watch a bad movie that is not just bad, but one of the historically worst movies of all time. I'm sure you guys can think of a few. And then we would talk about what we were what we thought of them, these notoriously awful pieces of work. What's worth noting is that the ones that we chose are ones that we had not seen before. So we could have taken the easy route and been like, well, Howard the Duck, because, you know, I've seen it. It's so bad. It's hilarious. No, these are ones that we just never got around to. So these are ones that we exactly we wouldn't have if it wasn't for this assignment so this is completely detrimental to us but very beneficial for you dear listeners because usually we're very professional i don't know if that's going to ring true this time around so let's let's get irate everyone so uh rachel since this was your idea what um what displeasure did you have this week what did you watch i no longer fear hell because i have seen the hottie and the naughty. Oh, just the just the name alone is like yeah. vomit inducing. For those who who are fortunate enough to not know what this diabolical two thousand films is, or diabolical yeah diabolical two thousand film is. What is this about? And who's which famous person stars in it? And what exactly is this? So it not only featured as star, but as producer, won Paris Hilton. She won her first of seven Oscars for this, of course. Um, but, oh my god. Okay, so actually she isn't even the worst thing about it, is the sad thing. All she has to do is look pretty and, like, smile a lot, and she can do that, so sure. But this movie's disgusting. It's just awful. So the premise is, there's this guy, he's a total loser, like, don't nobody in this movie should get to date him because he's awful. Um, And he had a crush on Paris Hilton when they were kids. And now when they're all grown up, he wants to date her. But she says, well, you can't uh, date me because I have to find a date for my friend first. It took me most of the movie to realize that this was supposed to be a remake of Taming of the Shrew. I'm really sorry, Shakespeare. You do not deserve that. Which we already got in the form of 10 Things I Hate About You. Don't mention those movies in the same context. Okay, fair enough. So, anyway, so her friend is um, not conventionally attractive, would be putting it mildly. Like, they make her into some kind of monster creature, which is a huge disservice to this poor actress who's actually pretty talented. I looked up her career. She's the only one in this movie who doesn't come off like a total idiot. Ugh. And so the whole movie is about 
disgusting, awful, gross-out humor that makes me want to vomit thinking about it, and also disgusting, awful misogyny that makes me want to rip my hair out thinking about it. The women in this movie have no personality. They basically exist to be pretty dolls for the men to ogle over. The men come off as slack-jawed idiots. None of the writers who were behind this movie have ever spoken to a human being in real life, I'm pretty sure. And just basically, there is nothing redeeming here. Oh, but like... Just the fact that the name alone makes you stupider. Just, yeah, it, it just sounds like this, 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 uh, this sexist. Like, like, why would you want to take part of this? And I'm, I'm shocked, shocked that this was written by a woman. This type of film with this level of misogyny. I know it's directed by a man, but I cannot fathom how something like this was conjured up to this degree. By a female screenwriter. Like, that that does not make sense to me. That does not compute. So, dare I ask, because I've, I've not seen this, how bad is the dialogue in terms of that sort of stuff? I mean, it's pretty stupid. It's pretty poorly written. It's more the gaze. Like, it's constantly looking at the women as these sort of objects for the men to drool over. Okay, so it's the director then, not so yeah. much the writing. Well, okay. the writing's pretty bad, too, because the whole thing's like, they treat these women as sort of obstacles. Like, oh, I have to win over the girl, and so I have to get the friend out of the way. And Oh, my God. It's so creepy and so gross. And, you know, I don't necessarily think a Paris Hilton rom-com could have been the worst thing ever put on film. You know, it was the 2000s. We all had poor judgment back then. But, like, this was so far beyond even the worst of my expectations. I don't get how this ever got made. I don't get how any writer put those words on paper. But like, well, first off, I'm looking at the, the box office records and it basically like didn't even make like close to 10% of what it, of what it was made for. So that's, that's assuring. Yeah. Uh, and she cleaned up at the, they all cleaned up at the Razzies. So good, good choice. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they deserve it. I haven't seen it, but like you, you could just tell, like, I remember for the longest time, I didn't watch Bucky Larson, but then I eventually did, and it's like, that wasn't what I expected. It was actually worse. And I'm sure it's like the same thing here. You just hey, know, Bucky like, Larson was hilarious. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> like, no, no, come on. The only joke is that it turned my life into a joke after having seen it. Like, there's no chance in hell that anyone deserves to do that. And it seems like it's the same thing here. Just look at the poster, you know, this whole thing about trying to um, ride off of like Paris Hilton's that's hot expression, yeah. um, which her, I've never been a fan of hers. This isn't like nobody a, was. A, 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 I still oh, don't yeah. get why she was famous for a period in the mid 2000s. I mean, I remember I, the I girls know. in my school like couldn't talk about anything but her for a while. And I just don't get it because she doesn't sing really well. She doesn't act she just exists and i still don't understand well because she can't exist that's called nepotism and that's called having a fortune you True. can just exist so um look i don't want to slag on her too much i'm really not yeah. a fan but i've heard like you know in recent years she's basically tried to clarify that she was like this persona whatever yeah whatever i the have hell heard it that is. she's a lot smarter than her actual persona and she's also a pretty decent person in real life so no, no hate on Paris Hilton. Like, do what you got to do. But that was a very weird time in our collective experience. Yeah, but like, just obviously, she didn't need the money. No, 
I, I like I don't know if this was like a part of that whole experiment she was doing, but this should have been avoided by anyone and everyone. Like this yeah, looks like I'm full on judging her for ever being involved with this movie. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> okay, so I think something that we didn't discuss beforehand, but we should maybe try now, just just so we get a little bit of scope here. What's one of the worst things about this movie, like like a scene or anything? And I don't think it matters if we spoil. Like, just give me give me like a little bit of something to work with, to, just to see how bad this really is. Well, the person who is the character of I can't believe I'm saying this, the naughty, the the woman who's not supposed to be attracted in the movie, they don't just make her like not look pretty. They make her so incredibly unhygienic, and they do all kinds of really gross humor surrounding it, and. I mean, I know gross side humor was popular at the time, but this is so far beyond anything else that I can't even describe it because it's awful. But yeah, and then it tries to sag into a rom-com and that may be like the worst part because it's just... It's like insulting. Two really awful different types of things that they fail at equally hard. Yeah, and I, 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 you know, both of you know me really well in case the audience at home doesn't after 33 episodes and, and change. I cannot stand gross side humor i think it's one of the cheapest hackiest things you can do so i don't even think i want to ask what some of those jokes were because no. i'm sure they're do repulsive not. no just just go go uh beat up a copy of that movie with the baseball bat because ugh. but do you really want me spending money on it okay if somebody gives me this movie then i will do that like office space <laughs> exactly except uh uh, luckily, that won't be a catharsis. That'll be like literally. I have zero connection to this movie. I should get one for you, so you can do that. No, thank you. Not worth your time. No, thank you. <laughs> on a scale, because uh, on Phil's, at Phil's Hotel, we, we we rank things out of five, you know, including point fives. In all seriousness, what would you rank this out of five? Can I do zero? Yeah, you could do zero. Okay. Yeah, I'm good okay, with the it, zero. It's, it's an actual zero. Yeah, it's not just bad. It's actively offensive. Uh, okay. Yeah, that That's where wow. I put my zeros. Well, then I will, like I wanted to initially, but this actually sounds worse than I was anticipating. Like I was expecting like one of the worst, but this sounds like one of the worst things you flat out have ever seen. Oh, yeah. I, I might even put it as my number one worst, given some thought. Jeez. Okay, because yeah. I know you've seen a bit. Okay, wow. So... Let's avoid that. Uh, clearly, that film is The Naughty. So let's see if we have any uh, any better films here, uh, things that we might, you know, you know, audiences might disagree with, or maybe we had a change of heart. Uh, James, did you fare out a little? Actually, James, we'll go with you last, because I feel like yours is like the worst of the worst. I was going to suggest next. that. <laughs> okay. Uh, let, let's go with myself, um, which if The Haughty and The Naughty is not – you know, the possible worst of the bunch and, you know, strap in. This is going to be uh, a very big ride. Uh, so my film, I, uh, okay. So I've known about this film for the, for the longest time ever since I started dating my girlfriend. Like one of the first things she brought up was because my girlfriend's obsessed with the eighties, like eighties music, eighties movies. She brought up this one that I hadn't heard of. And I just thought it was like this obscure thing called Mac and Me. And I was like, the hell is this? It looks like an no. E.T. ripoff. And once I did a bit of digging, I was like, oh, no, this is actually revered as like one of the worst movies ever made. So, OK, uh, thanks for putting that on my radar. So uh, she showed me this this dance that happens in the middle of a McDonald's. 
And I was like, okay, what the hell is this? This goes on for like 10 minutes. Why is this necessary? Um, so that was the only context I had that, and it's a huge ripoff of E.T., The Extraterrestrial by Steven Spielberg. Um, so eventually, finally, like close to seven years later, I watched it a couple of days ago, and let me tell you, it's complete and utter trash. Like, it is... I don't know if it's as bad as the hottie and the naughty because I haven't seen the hottie and the naughty. And I'll it. say this. I'll, no, I don't want to, but I'll say this. I'll give, I'll give my minor praises right now. The cinematography is pretty damn good for a movie this bad. Like a lot of uses of silhouettes and sunsets and stuff. And the music, the music's so good that in a movie this bad, it actually comes off as annoying. Like it's almost like cheesy, but if you place this in like a Spielberg movie or something else, it actually wouldn't be that bad. Everything else is garbage. Absolutely everything else. So in this unfortunate film, you have, oh God, uh, let, let's say Elliot. It's not Elliot. But, you know, it is Elliot. Elliot in this film, uh, you know, just like the other one, it's like a single mom, just like E.T. And, you know, they've moved to this new area. And, uh, you know, the kid who I'm going to call Elliot, even though it's not Elliot, uh, discovers this this alien who they call Mac, which if you don't know what that stands for, isn't extraterrestrial like E.T. It's mysterious alien creature. Oh, I see. That's Stop. adorable. That's so different. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's completely different. So I've uh. actually made a list of all the things that they rip off, including instead of Reese's Pieces, it's Skittles. No. You know, instead of pointing your finger to the planet and, and telephoning that way, it's cupping the palms together and whistling. Instead of um oh god like they even have the flower thing except in this one it's supposed to represent like a wind like a windmill or like a like a weather vane Ooh, uh you know uh instead of et getting sick in this way he gets sick in this way i mean sorry i mean mac um the amount of the amount of theft is so bad that would be bad enough but the film just plainly sucks like the kids sound like they're reading off cue cards. Like, oh, Mac, don't leave. Please stay here. Um, why don't you believe me that Mac's real? Like, you can't even fake how bad the acting is. It's that bad. And obviously, in case it wasn't apparent by the name and me bringing up the fast food restaurant earlier, this was sponsored, you know, the worst decision in, in the history of both these franchises it was sponsored by, or you know, Coca-Cola and and McDonald's both put money into this. So, but they had ET, better things to do. <laughs> I, I know, and it's like it wasn't like they were struggling. I don't think like ET or I keep calling him ET. It's so hard not to call him ET. So Mac, <laughs> Mac easy. keeps. <laughs> not ET, exactly. It's not, so not ET keeps drinking Coca Cola, and they're like, "Wow, this must be what he drinks from the planet he came from." Do you realize Coke's manufactured by humans? It doesn't come from like other planets, you dorks. Like, yeah, I don't think Georgia qualifies as another planet. No, it doesn't. Like, I'm so tempted to swear, but I'm trying not to for the good for the good of my listeners. But like, I you gotta know watch this. <laughs> so like. In the film, this this god awful puppet, you know, Stretch Armstrong doll, whatever the hell it is, like, uh, 
If, no, you, if you if you see I've seen it, pictures. See this I mean. thing is terrifying. This thing looks like if if uh, if ET was like uh, no, actually, it looks like a pan from Midsummer's Night Night Dream. Like like that sort of like a goat human creature was like shaved bald, so it was hairless, and then sent to Chernobyl for like a couple months. So like no. it's just like this this oh, hideous rough. thing. This this hideous thing. Um, you know the film is doomed when one of the first quotes, like when somebody lays eyes on this thing, is like, oh, there's a mysterious creature. It looks like an omelet with two eyes. First off, why do you have to specify it has two eyes? Do, do omelets technically have three? <laughs> do they have one? <laughs> Secondly, uh, like an omelet? Is this what you eat? Have you seen this thing? This thing looks like gonorrhea personified. It just looks like food. <laughs> like, this, thing is a, this thing is disgusting. <laughs> Oh, so, man. And then so much of the film is like this alien from somewhere else, which the, the funny thing is, I actually don't know if they just ended up in this random desert in America, but I don't even remember what state it takes place in, and I don't care. But uh, uh, I actually don't know if they crash landed there. Uh, no, I think they do. Because, like, God, I'm trying to forget this movie already. Um, <laughs> like, w- regardless of what it is. They're aliens. They don't, like, they can't speak the language, you know, so when they're, like, saying stuff like, oh, oh, what are you doing? And he understands it's really annoying. Um, but he starts drilling holes in, like, the walls. And, and you know, the kid's mom is like, oh, no, you've drilled holes in the wall. Oh, this place is so devalued now. First off, how does this alien know how to do that? <laughs> like, but the worst part is... He fixes everything. And this isn't with some healing powers or whatever, I don't think, like E.T. does, because E.T. is superior. He went to, like, healing college. I'm like, this doofus. But instead, like, can you tell me how this alien who hasn't lived with humans before knows how to plaster a wall? Like, how does it know how to, like, uh, you know, hammer stuff back in place? This thing doesn't even wear, like, clothes or anything. This thing hasn't, like, gone to a restaurant, ordered a meal. How the hell is it doing handiwork? Like, can you tell me this? <laughs> I don't even remember if it's, like, superpowers or whatever. If it's superpowers, then that's complete horse crap. If it's, like, a- him actually, like, fixing stuff, that's even stupider. I actually can't remember. It could have been super supernatural stuff. I don't remember because I hate this movie so much. And, um... You know, it even has, like, the fundamental idiocies. Like, if uh, if Mac holds up, like, you know, three fingers on a thumb, they're like, you have three family members? No, little kids. He's holding up four. Like, this is basic arithmetic. Not even. It's, like, basic <laughs> numbers that you're looking at here. He's holding up four fingers, yet you say three. Okay. Uh, so much so much stuff about this movie is irritating. And then finally, we get to the, 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 the stupid, iconic McDonald's scene where literally to, to try and throw off the CIA agents that are following them. I think they're CIA. I don't know and I don't care. They're wearing gray coats. Um, they have like a dance contest in the middle of the McDonald's. And here's the thing. Unlike E.T. who dressed up in a little towel... Naughty T dresses up as a little teddy bear. The, the ugliest damn teddy bear I've ever seen. Like, te- <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt would be rolling over in his grave. But, like, you know, what is their plan? Once they notice that it's not a bear, they get the bear to dance. Because teddy bears dance. In what freaking universe has your have any of your stuffed animals ever danced? 
Unless it was like a, a Tickle Me Elmo. Well, I don't know what they did when I'm not home. There was a whole series based on that. That's uh, that, that's true. But, you know, in actual good movies, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> but in something like this where that's not deserved. No, absolutely not. And then, like, oh, God, this movie has everything from, like, actual, like, original songs where it's, like, uh, I, I, have you ever been tired of feeling alone and, and like nobody else loves you and you're by yourself? Uh, you could be my friend forever, like the worst 80 song I've ever heard. Um, uh, the, yeah, like what else is there? Jeez, I don't, okay, they actually reference Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The the guts on these idiots, but, uh, you know, the climactic scene has like, you know, this big explosion just about from gunshots alone shooting at a building. I don't know how that works. There's so much stupid stuff in this movie. My biggest complaint is that this isn't in my bottom what, 10 movies I've ever seen, because that means that I hate myself enough that I've seen 10 worse movies than this. This is a flat out no. zero out of five. I hate this film and I cannot unrecommend it enough. And I haven't even gone into some of the worst of it. It's 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 not worth it. Wow. Wow. It sounds like this should have been one of those parody movies where they make fun of the alien movies, but they were trying to be serious and just rip off of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it was like they were trying so hard to make this. Here's the thing. It was like really not great at first, but then once it's like the hour mark and it's like this thing's still going and you're like, Oh my God, I have better things to do with my day. Like I watch this cause I can work from home and I, you know, sometimes I can like watch stuff while I'm working. Cause you know, I'm doing like uh, info info stuff, um, you know, sending out emails. I had a meeting in between this movie and it was like the best meeting I ever had. It was the best meeting I ever had. Cause I didn't have to watch this crap. It was amazing. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, anyway, uh, yeah, also a zero. I, I, I hate myself for having seen worse. Uh, I, I, anything else? Anything else we need to say about this? I think I said it all. Like, No, I think you covered it pretty thoroughly. <laughs> okay, so. I, I've got one thing to say. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> but uh, having said that, I remember what I said. I don't think it's the worst, you know, my viewing was the worst one. I think James actually had the worst out of all three, even though I haven't seen the hottie and the naughty, uh, which uh, Mac is definitely the naughty, definitely the naughty. Like that thing, that's like the worst puppet, whatever, doesn't matter. We're moving on. I need therapy. So what is, what is possibly the worst of this trilogy? Uh, James, what, what did you uh, punish yourself with? I decided to watch Manos, The Hands of Fate. And oh, just dear. how just how freaking bad is this thing? So, I'm going to start by saying this. Uh-oh. I rented this on Amazon Prime for 99 <laughs> cents. <laughs> that's that's uh, coincidentally that's the exact budget of the movie. It's only worth about 25 cents. Oh that's my generous. god. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is actually generous. You'd have to pay me to watch the hottie and the naughty again, and far more than that. Oh God! Okay, I don't so, think you could pay me to watch this again. <laughs> first off, do you know the history behind Manos: The Hands of Fate and why it exists? I was doing a little bit of research, and 
I, I didn't read all the details, but the minute I saw <laughs> that it was made based on a bet, <laughs> basically some some businessman who said, "Hey, I sell like what is it like sod for a living? Yeah, I bet you I like can that. make I can make like a horror movie and watch. It's gonna be the best thing ever." Oh uh, yeah, he. Harold P. Warren is his name. He sold insurance and fertilizer. Insurance makes him so much funnier. <laughs> so okay. he's familiar with manure is what you're saying. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and liability. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this movie. First of all, I'm going to state the budget that has been reported for this movie. $19,000. I am offended by that number because in 1966, you could do better than this movie with $19,000. I put it in an inflation calculator and it (laughs) equals $159,327 today. You can do better than that. Yes, you can. I think students who are actively paying to make a movie could do better than that. Yes, you can. And that's that's something that uh, what's his name Harold P. Warren I think um, that's something that you didn't understand. You can't just make movies based on money. You have to have a little bit of you know creativity, wit, smart, you know uh, smartness. I feel like if Ed Wood had like a better budget, it wouldn't be nearly as bad. But like this is clearly made by somebody who had zero zero idea of how to make anything. I'm going to go on record. This is worse than anything Edward's ever done. So please, James, what is this uh, masterpiece about? If you can even tell us. It's a, it's about a family, (laughs) a couple and their daughter. They're on a road trip, right? And the guy does the stereotypical guy thing where he kind of takes directions and just doesn't really like get where he's going. (laughs) Or I think he actually refuses to take directions for the most part. And I don't even know where they're going. I don't even think they said where they were going, but they happen upon this house and where you meet Torgo is his name. And <laughs> did you notice that he was a centaur? I did not. <laughs> did Wait, you only what? just realize that now? Yeah. He's a centaur. They actually give him like, like these prosthetic legs or something. So he's supposed to look like half man, half, half horse or something. I'm not joking. I never noticed that. How did I miss that? That I don't know. They must not have been very visible. I don't know. That was. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, they stumble upon this hall that's inhabited by a pagan cult, and they're debating on what to do. And yeah, you know, there's this back and forth about them staying at the house, but they can't because Master wouldn't approve. And you know, oh, aside from shots on the road, there are literally three specific spots this movie takes place exclusively. And it's one is outside of the house. One is in the living room. You actually go into a bedroom for a moment. And then the room where the cult's hanging with the master and looking into this, they talked about the difficulty in production because he was using a bell and Howell 60 millimeter camera that was hand wound and could only shoot 32 seconds at a time. Oh my so God. it's a very cut heavy movie. There's a lot of quick cuts, but realizing they could only shoot so much footage and they're really bad edits too. Yeah, like the splicing is so bad. You can see like half frames. You can see like, you know, the tape, but it's like very dirty tape. Like they clearly didn't even bother. <laughs> also, horrifying. I don't know what stock they use, but the film itself, it's grainy and overexposed like crazy. <laughs> and 
there's also just like you know and of course they didn't really you know have the means or even attempt to do anything sound wise on set so they had to recreate all the sounds which all sound terrible the dubbing's bad the music actually sounds kind of cool but it's super low quality and just the direction's bad and there's certain scenes where i'm like you could have done better there's one scene where the daughter is laying on the couch and as the parents are talking she gets up and walks into another room and closes the door and then they turn around like where did she go and i'm like you could have just like done a a close-up shot and a quick cut (laughs) to not make it seem that bad well speaking of bad edits uh my one of my favorite bad edits of all time is the amount of time that's left lingering on the portrait of like you know um, Manos. I think uh, like you know like that uh, that shadowy figure. I don't even know if his name's Manos or the Master. So um, it just like sits on his goofy ass face for like oh, yeah. for like fifteen seconds, and it's like you're supposed to feel intimidated, but really it's like a staring contest from hell. Like I can't help but burst out yeah. laughing every time. <laughs> And it keeps coming yeah. back to him. It's like, stop it. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the master. Uh, Manos is who they uh, worship. Oh, right. Uh, how, how could I forget? <laughs> I, I also hate this man's robe. Like, he raises his arms and it's literal, like, there's, like, a, a picture of hands on his robe. <laughs> it's like, really? Apparently, apparently when he titled it Manos Hands of Fate, I guess the crew would call it Mangoes, the cans of fruit behind his back. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, it's just so bad. And yeah, there's, and there's several actors in this movie. And it's funny because there's the three actors who play the family. There's Torgo, the master, and then the master's six wives who are all like in suspended animation, it seems like. But they're, you know, there's a point where they wake up and there's a point where they all start fighting. And that scene's really bad. Yeah, it was just awful. And, I don't know. I just look at it like, really? Like you saw this after that and was like, yeah, I'll put this out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't recall, Rachel. Have you seen this? I haven't. No. And now I'm thinking I'll, no, you know what? That sounds like the kind of movie I would watch just for fun. Is it a movie that you can watch where it's so bad? It's good. Uh, no, it's okay. not. I actually, I, I, I recommend watching it once just to set the bar on what really bad is. Okay. Or you could do the safe way and watch it through Mystery Science Theater 3000 because that's one of their iconic episodes. Oh, is, that is does watching sound much this. better. That's actually what gave it its cult status. Exactly. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, like you, James, I, I've seen it once through Mystery Science after the fact. I saw once, I think once or twice on my own doing and oh my God, it's, oh my God. Uh, you know, outside of like, you know, <laughs> that goofy shot of of the master's portrait and like Torgo saying, uh, "There's no way out of here. It'll be dark soon. There is no way out of here." Like so, like that Ed Wood type of dialogue. This thing is it's just pure pain, pure <laughs> pure pain. And like it even does like the fundamental errors, like cutting from day to night within like the same day, like the same time frame. So clearly they have no concept of like what consistency is. Like there's yeah, so many he, issues. He attempted to do like night for night shooting. Apparently a lot of the crew had day jobs. <laughs> so it was, that's why a lot of it takes place at night, but also they didn't really have sufficient lighting, which is why they could only like go so far with the camera. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just a Harold B. Warren attempting day for night. Oh, it's a, a no night for night. Yeah, like, it's oh, so, night for it's night. so Even bizarre. Worse. It's 
I'm also I'm really upset that years later there was a sequel and a prequel that were made for this movie. Oh, both oh, of them was, released in 2018. Yeah. Uh, you know the only prequel and sequel that need to exist: life before having seen this crap and life afterwards. Like that's it. Like it's, it's that alone. It's interesting though, because like a few weeks back, I watched a movie for an article I was writing, and it was made by complete non-professionals in Antarctica, and it was a horror movie. And they were, they had no budget, they had no experience, and they just put together this movie. But it made sense, it looked pretty good, and, you know, it was never going to light the world on fire, but it was a pretty decent watch. So, how is it that one non-professional can make a movie you actually enjoy, and then another one can just make a complete crap piece of awfulness? Well, that's what I was saying. As as like a self-described expert in no-budget film, I'm offended that this movie cost almost $20,000 and was that bad in 1966. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. I'm sure there were movies made back then for made for just as much that were probably 10 times better. Yeah. It's if uh, if Robert Rodriguez can make El Mariachi for $7,000 in 1992. Yeah. Well, check this out. Carnival of Souls was 33,000, which I know is like double, but like look at like how much better that is. And that's not oh, through that's the money. So good. That's not through the money. That's through Herc Harvey being so much better than this guy. Yeah. Like it had a concept that could have worked. And but Tommy Wiseau just... spent several million on the room. He spent, <laughs> he spent Tommy Wiseau spent six million dollars of his own money. Yeah. On the room. Yeah. Which is wild well, to think about like because different shooting formats. <laughs> well, the wild thing is, well, he he shot a celluloid rig and a digital rig at the same time, and he only used the celluloid rig. But <laughs> but see that that's a whole other thing because no one actually knows how he got that rich. Nobody knows anything about him. Yeah, it's now, so see, bizarre. If, if he came from another planet, like the whole Mac and me thing, but if he came from another planet, I wouldn't bat an eye. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I know, but. uh you know, it's funny that you bring up the room. Okay, first off, before we wrap up this segment, uh, zero out of five, zero out of five, right, for Manos? No, I'm going to, th- this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to okay. do what a good old Anthony Fantano does with really bad stuff. As Melon would say, I'm giving this a not good. <laughs> uh, this this <laughs> film is not good. <laughs> it's just not good. Shout out to Anthony Fantano. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a dope guy. Um, but, uh, Luckily, he, he will never have to watch Manos the Hands of Fate, I don't think. So, speaking of The Room, though, since we brought that up, um, we're going to look in our second segment uh, at three films that we wish to, you know, shed light on because they were once maligned, but now they're liked, whether they're cult favorites or actual, or actually reassessed masterpieces. So, let's go in the same order, let's say. Rachel, what is your previously despised film which is now seen in a much better light well maybe despised is a little bit strong for this one so much as puzzling um so i picked johnny guitar which is a very unconventional western made in 1954 stars joan crawford mercedes mccambridge and sterling hayden um so the premise is joan crawford's running an outpost in the west basically all on her own and everybody hates her and wants to kill her for some reason she absolutely commands the screen. She's amazing in it. It's her picture. It's a feminist Western, which is a very strange thing to come out in 1954. It also has a lot of commentary on politics, identity. There's some uh, LGBT subtext if you're looking. And so 1954 was not ready for this movie. 
Um, a lot of the critics were very upset. They said it was only style with no substance and that Joan Crawford didn't fit, which was kind of the point because her persona really fit well with this movie because she was against type, so to speak. Um, and then it got rediscovered as something that tried to redo the Western, one of the very first deconstruction Westerns. And so... In 1950, and oh, one one critic even complained that Joan Crawford wasn't feminine enough, and I'm like, dude, that's your problem. But anyway, that, that's so, that's precisely the point that this is a, as you said, like a revisionist western of sorts. Yeah, but it just came way too ahead of its time, so its audience had to grow up a little. But it really is worth checking out. It looks beautiful. It has a lot to say, and Joan Crawford is absolutely killer in it. Sometimes, literally. So yeah, great. Uh, a good one just needed to age a little. When it comes to iconic 50s true color, this is one of the finest examples. Like, the amount of reds and, like, blues, like the like Joe Crawford's blue eyes clashing with, like, Her the red clothes. desert. What's that? Her bright clothes. Yeah, exactly. The bright clothes. She's, like, brilliant in this. Um, Sterling Hayden as well. And um, she and Mercedes McCambridge just tear up the screen whenever they're together. Absolutely. I, I love this thing. And it's weird looking back at this because so many things that critics or moviegoers had problems with are just like standard now. Like, yeah, a, a woman's kicking ass. So like, mm-hmm. isn't that a good thing? Like like a woman who's like not like the love interest or the, the, the prized yeah. possession, like something that's actually progressive. Uh, well done, Nicholas Ray, first off. Um, yeah, you know, Nicholas for- Ray was never one to be ordinary. Exactly, which is which is amazing. Uh, but you know, Joe Crawford as well, just always being a legend. Um, this is, I, I feel like it's still a fifties film. Mm-hmm. You know, it just happens to have progressive ideas and and style, style to, choices. I would I would argue. Yeah, I wouldn't even say it's like a stylish film or anything, but like you know, for its time and perhaps for its genre i would say it is but you're not going to watch it like you're watching like the conformist or something but no but like all a things lot of considered it's great we're saying things like well it's absolute crap in terms of plot and story and character but oh, at least it on. looks kind of cool no like that's that's just stupid yeah. no it's it's a fantastic film and i and i i agree that it it for sure should be watched so james this one you're gonna have to check out yeah i probably will yeah uh Mine is a little bit less agreed upon. Um, I was kind of debating back and forth. I'm just going to stick with my guns here. Um, I'm not the only person who believes so. Uh, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I feel like uh, I, I feel like uh, Showgirls is, is misunderstood. It's a misunderstood film. Um, it's a deliberate satire by um, by Paul Verhoeven, and I feel like. You know, this is the guy who's made movies like uh, RoboCop, which also has like a bit of like a, you know, like a, a comedic side to it. Uh, this guy also did Starship Troopers after the fact. This guy's just got a weird sense of humor. And Showgirls is an excessive, you know, look at like, you know, fame, fortune, the Las Vegas lifestyle. It just, here's why I think it's, um, and first off, it's not just me, a lot of uh, critics, filmmakers, there's actually a book on this about why this film's misunderstood. It's called Showgirls Doesn't Suck, I believe. Um, first off, this thing is too well shot 
and too well edited and pieced together for me to understand that this is just as bad as it seems. I think it's just an exercise in hyperbole, excess, you know, chewing of scenery. But unfortunately, it claimed a lot of careers. Like the only performer I could think of who was like untouched by this was Kyle McLaughlin, who even then, you know, had a bit of like, you know, an uphill climb afterwards. Uh, Gina Gershon, her career wasn't quite the same. Elizabeth Berkeley, the star of this thing, completely just that was it. Her career was never recovered. Yeah, and and I, I always feel it's sad when a star's career gets torpedoed by one bad movie because often they're really not responsible for it not being great. Yeah, and I feel like she was just doing what she was told because I feel like have either of you seen Chill Girls? I don't remember. I haven't. I have. Okay, so like when Nomi is uh, that's Elizabeth Berkeley's character when she's like grabbing the popcorn is like flailing all over the place like i feel like she's been directed to do that like i i can't imagine anybody in their sane mind being like we are we are just doing this because i think this is normal no this is this is clearly a direction that everything in this film has to be over the top all the dialogue has to be like so uncomfortable and like you know offensive at times the only thing i don't think that has aged well there's a particular scene i don't really want to bring up but um, you mean it's not the pool scene? No, it's not that. I, I, think, I, know, I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, but there's there's a, there's a specific well scene. <laughs> yeah, there's a specific scene uh, that deals with sexual assault, which I don't think has aged well at all, at all. And I'm not entirely sure what Paul was trying to do with this. Um, but in general, I feel like everything else, including that infamous uh, that infamous scene in the pool. Um, I feel like the majority of that's intentional. Like it, it just feels like it is like the way that it's shot, the way like everybody feels like they're acting poorly. You well, if that makes sense. Like, it's not like they're, they're acting as bad. It feels like they're acting this way on purpose because you look at like Kyle McLaughlin and again, Gina Gershon, these are very talented people. So I, I, I can't imagine I've never seen them do poorly in anybody else's hands. This can't just be some miraculous film that just made everybody terrible. But unfortunately, we just didn't get a chance to see Elizabeth Berkeley in much. So I feel like we just don't have like like another comparison to make. So I'm not going to pretend that this is a masterpiece, but a terrible film. Me and some uh, some other people have some things to say about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can be convinced. It's just you think it's actually a bad film. It. But you bring up good points, so it's like it just seems a little too intentional, and especially from him, it just. Who I don't know. would direct a pool scene like that? It just like who, who would look at that and say, "Yep, that's good." I'm telling you, this guy's a competent filmmaker. If he had a bad streak like a Joel Schumacher, I'd think twice. This guy did L. This guy did Total Recall. He's not a terrible filmmaker. I'm not going to pretend he's the best, but like. I, I just refuse to believe that this was this that this was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, but we but now when we look at back on it, it's different. You can kind of pick it apart, and oh, you know what? This is this is a lot different than I thought it was. Well, I do know that I believe the uh, the screenwriter was, you know, trying to say that this was like. Yeah, like some sort of like a comedy or whatever. So that's another reason why, like there, like when he wrote it, and you know, it's hard to tell with the final product if it's meant to be funny or not. I honestly think it is. Um, 
I it, it's it's so tough to tell. Unlike uh, Johnny Guitar, I'm not gonna like recommend this to everybody, but it's got a cult fan base. At least if you enjoy it, it might be for ironic reasons. Yeah. So James, what was yours? Mine. I decided to go with Freddie Got Fingered, starring no. Tom Green. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, so yours is similar to mine, where it's like, well, except with yours, aren't they calling it like postmodernism or something? Yeah, that was well, an I, odd twist. <laughs> I personally call it a postmodern cringe masterpiece. Oh, God. When this was released, this is at the height of Tom Green's popularity. I mean, it's it came out in 2001. You know, he really, he, he really hit a sweet spot in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And when it was released, it was bashed by everybody. Roger Ebert gave it, it was one of those legendary ones that he gave a zero stars. <laughs> and went on amazing rants about. Yeah. And okay. in retrospect, it's funny because a lot of, especially a lot of critics are going back. Even Roger Ebert was saying how, despite what he said, he would often refer to it and he still thought about it. Like this film still had an impact regardless. I mean, even though he still thinks it's bad, he said it's, you know, looking back on it, it you, you can see there was something there regardless of how bad it was. And then, you know, there's a bunch of people like, you know, going back as far as say it isn't actually bad. Like there, I was reading, um, this critic, uh, Nathan Rabin for AV club. He included, uh, a review of a review of it for uh, my year in flops column, where he was doing like doing bad films, and he compared it to the work of Jean Luc Godard. Wow! Oh, come on, <laughs> no, and, no, no, come on. And I, having seen the film multiple times, I I kind of get it. But yeah, a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people who say it's like one of their favorite films, and there's even people saying it's like if you look back at it, it's like it it is kind of like you know some people are saying it's one of the funniest films ever. But the thing that has to be understood is it was just released at the wrong time. Tom Green really set the stage for that weird, awkward, cringe, and shock humor to really take over. Like, think about any original programming, you know, Adult Swim did and Comedy like, Central like an did. Eric Andre sort of thing? Yeah, or just like any of the shows they produced. Like, Comedy Central and Adult Swim really went the extra mile with that type of humor and were successful. And had it not been for Tom Green, it probably wouldn't have been possible. Like, yeah, Eric Andre wouldn't be successful if Tom Green hadn't done this before him. Or just like like shows oh. like uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force or Venture Brothers on Adult Swim or like any 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 show that was created by a comedian on Comedy Central as kind of like their you know their series you know he 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 kind of set the blueprint for it you know if you release Freddy Got Fingered now it would probably get rave reviews but you know you got to think of the early two thousands <laughs> I mean the early two thousands it's like that's kind of an awkward space for movies in general especially you right. know you had the rom coms that were terrible and you know i don't even think action was that good was action even good that around that time no i take that oh, back there was actually know. some good action yeah the main takeaway i'm getting from this episode is that the 2000s were a really strange decade oh, the, yeah, the early the 2000s really was just yeah it was just really awkward i think it has a similar problem that i think the 80s had where like the mainstream stuff isn't really good that good and it was really you got to look kind of like sidestep that to like maybe the more serious or the indie stuff. Well, I'll say this and it wasn't because of this episode. I've, I've not seen Freddy got fingered, not in full. I've, I've legitimately been curious to finally see this one day. Um, 
I should have been for this episode, maybe. Maybe I would have had a better time. Uh, but, like, I, I, I have been actually curious because to hear this thing, and you've said John and Godard, I've heard this compared to other similar auteurs. I've got to say, my, my, my curiosity has been piqued. I definitely recommend it. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of recommend of recommendations, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, this wasn't planned beforehand. Why don't we each, uh, all three of us, think of a bad movie we enjoy that we can recommend? You know, ironically, we like watching this stuff. But before we get to our weekly recommendations, uh, uh, Rachel, please grace us with some actual positivity. Sure. So we're out on social media under the K-Cut on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So follow us there. We post fun facts and little stories and things like that and talk about our episodes. For our cinematic smorgasbord this month, we have Second, starring Rock Hudson as our collective movie. And then individually, we've recommended Hexan, The Poor and Hungry, and The Last Emperor to each other. Um, I would also suggest that you, if you like our episode, you either rate, review, subscribe on any of the streaming platforms that you listen to us on, because it really helps us out. Oh, those all sound like, well, they are, some of those are masterpieces. But they all sound like masterpieces <laughs> at this point. Oh, please. Like, even like, I don't know. <sighs> Anything. Anyways, let's let's wrap this up. Let's get into some bad films that we actually enjoy as our final recommendations. Let's just do the same order. Uh, Rachel, what is your weekly recommendation? Reefer Madness. Uh, please tell us why. Cause I've been meaning I've to see this because I haven't seen it yet. Well, oh, first I've of all, there's a beautiful. musical based on it, so I really want to check that out. But it is a condemnation of marijuana and its ill effects on people. And now marijuana does have ill effects, but they are not the ones depicted in this film. Basically, anybody who takes this drug becomes a criminal or goes crazy or anything like that. It was complete or propaganda. Yeah, <laughs> it was total propaganda. It was so awful that it gained legendary status and so now it's being enjoyed for entirely different reasons so i'm safe to say that that movie did not accomplish what it set out to well from what i read that 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 original footage shot for that was actually for something serious and then it was re-edited into what gained cult status i hadn't heard that one yeah i'm pretty Uh, sure if i remember correctly that it was like actually a serious kind of propaganda thing, like an anti-marijuana thing. And then somebody re kind of redid it and like really played up the whole thing. It might've had to have been from the time. Cause I'll tell yeah. you this. So this is what I was going to tell Rachel. You know how we all had to like take care of films in our program. Like we each had like an assignment to, to like, you know, assess a film. Yes. Project, I know that it sure was fun. covered at some point in, in that assignment. So one of my classmates was able to to actually take f- from its time period a copy of Reefer Madness. So they're Whoa. so lucky. So that's what I'm saying. It must have been from when it was released that this happened because it, yeah. it couldn't have been a modern thing. Because like uh, people I know have seen the original as is, as was projected back in the day, and that's it's it's as glorious as it ever was. Yeah. So uh, I guess my weekly recommendation. Um, goodness. Um, okay. I've brought it up on my site before. I'm going to go with uh, Howard the Duck, which is just, uh, just a, an atrocious film, but it's so bad that I think it's like gut burstingly hilarious to see this anthropomorphic duck. I don't know if this thing is meant for kids. Cause there's like naked ducks and 
duck fornication. Um, I don't know if this thing is meant for adults because it's just so stupid and there's like these ducks running around. So I don't know who this is for, but um, this thing is not meant for anybody, but at the same time, it's meant for everybody because it's just so bad that it's hilarious. Like the, the one-liners are just like, you know, cry-worthy. Um, just seeing Howard trying to kick people's butts and, you know, getting into fights is some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. Some of the dialogue, some of the funniest stuff I've ever heard. I, I ironically love Howard the Duck. It really is so bad that it's amazing. Uh, so that's my recommendation. James, what about you? I'm going to recommend 1975's Dolomite starring Rudy Ray Moore. That's a good one. Yeah. It's the room before the room. Like this was the movie where somebody was like, I'm going to make this awesome movie. And then it turned out to be a joke. And then they embraced the joke. It's this movie is so ridiculous, but it's just one of those ones. It's like, Oh, I can revisit this time and time again. Cause Rudy Amor is an absolute treasure. Like as silly as this movie is, it's like, he definitely plays the part well. And he's a funny comedian in general. You know, and I was so glad to see Eddie Murphy portray him in Dolomite is my name. Yeah. I was so glad that movie got attention. Yeah, that's actually an excellent example. And, uh, you know, you brought it up briefly, but I'm so glad none of us picked the room because I think that's like the obvious answer. So that's our final that's recommendation. I, I think I think collectively we all love the room. I think it's safe in saying. But only at a Get midnight screening and bring spoons. Yes, bring, bring those spoons and that football. Nobody ever brings the football anymore. So you got you to gotta bring those back. So the, that was a K-cut. Please listen to us next week. We promised the good movies are coming back. Uh, we're going to go into the L-cut now.